Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here today. This is Susan Lopresti and you are listening to the Susan Lopresti Wellness Mind, Body and Soul Podcast. I created this podcast for women who are in midlife who are struggling with the challenges that can begin to manifest in midlife years. Many of these challenges are health concerns, but there are other components to midlife that can also play a part in how well we age. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing our gut health and the state of our gut and the enormous role that it plays in both the physical and the emotional well-being of our life. One of the most important things about gut health that you may not realize is that nearly 70% of the immune system is located in our gut. Because our gut makes up 70% of the immune system is why the bacteria present in the gut is so important to our health. Any time that you begin to notice a change in your health, you need to clean up your gut first. More times than not, once you do that, you will notice that whatever it was that was an issue for you has cleared up or at least begun to feel better. As you continue focusing on gut health, it will likely go away altogether. For example, If you have begun getting migraine headaches, if you have joint pain and overall pain, if you have skin issues such as rashes or eczema, if you get bloating, anxiety, insomnia, or if you're chronically ill with colds and viruses and the flu, it could mean that your gut health is not working optimally. If the gut is constantly being exposed to irritants through the diet or or the environment, this causes chronic low-level inflammation and is another example of how compromised gut health can lead to a variety of disorders. Over time, this can lead to leaky gut. This means the integrity of the intestinal lining has become compromised and no longer functions efficiently as a barrier. This may cause the immune system to constantly be on high alert and this will lead to inflammation. And inflammation ultimately will lead to disease. These bacteria serve as a variety of functions including breaking down food, metabolizing drugs, detoxifying your body, helping the immune system mature, and regulating the immune system over time. So we need to look at our gut microbiome and we need to understand what it is. One of the most interesting areas of recent nutrition research focuses on the gut, more specifically, the types of microorganisms that are present in the gut. These tiny organisms have a major effect on overall health 
and have been identified in a variety of conditions, including everything from gastrointestinal disorders to cardiovascular disease to asthma, Alzheimer's disease, autoimmune diseases such as Crohn's disease, celiac disease, um, also uh, Hashimoto's disease, diabetes, and so many others. For myself personally, I have celiac disease and I have Hashimoto's disease. Before I knew that, I suffered with migraine headaches. I had extreme aches and pains. I had tons of gastrointestinal disorders. I also suffered with vertigo. Uh, And once I cleaned up my diet, these conditions just fell away. It happened over time. It doesn't happen overnight. But believe me, you will begin to see some results. The gut microbiome refers to the billions of live bacteria humans have in their gut, but it also includes funguses and viruses. It's estimated that the gut contains approximately 35,000 different strains of bacteria. The majority are found in the large intestines, particularly the colon, but the bacteria can also be found in our esophagus, our stomach, and our small intestines. The gut refers to the place where food is digested, metabolized, and absorbed to be delivered into the cells and provide the body with energy. It is essential in allowing for the removal of waste. This process of breaking down food creates bioactive compounds that either help support health or lead to inflammation, which increases the risk for disease. So our gut health does a great deal more than go beyond simply healthy digestion. The state of our gut may also regulate our mood through serotonin production immune response, and also the predisposition to weight gain. The total surface of our gut is approximately the size of half a badminton court or the size of a small studio apartment. This is why diet has such a profound impact on health. The integrity of the gut lining will become compromised if it's constantly being exposed to irritants through the diet or environment. In turn, this causes low-level inflammation and is another example of how compromised gut health can lead to a variety of disorders. So let's look at what affects it. So the gut microbiome is affected by a variety of factors. And the first thing that a doctor will look at will be um, the mode of delivery, how you were born. Were you born a C-section or were you exposed to different strains of bacteria that are compared to vaginally um, born 
children. So babies born via C-section are exposed to different strains of bacteria as compared to babies born vaginally. And then we may look at diet during infancy. So breastfed infants are exposed to more beneficial bacteria from their mothers than formula-fed babies. Interestingly, breastfed or breast milk microbiota can vary widely depending on the mother's health, her BMI, her antibiotic use, and her diet. Then we look at diet during adulthood. Diet has a profound impact on the types of bacteria that thrive. Even a brief dietary change has been shown to alter the gut microbiota. Organisms that support the breakdown of foods you normally consume flourish while others perish. Diets that are plant-based are especially supportive of the beneficial organisms in the gut. Antibiotics work by killing bacteria. This is effective when you're sick and you need help ridding yourself of bad bacteria. But in accomplishing this, they also tend to destroy the good bacteria. Even one dose of a commonly prescribed antibiotic can wipe out microbial diversity for up to one month. Of course, antibiotics are necessary at times, but remember to give your gut a little extra love following such treatment. So that's why when a doctor is prescribing an antibiotic for you, at the time that he's writing that script, please talk to him or her about a probiotic as well. So age plays a factor. It takes up to three years for toddlers to colonize their gut microbiome, similarly to that of an adult. Microbial diversity may also decrease after age 75. Stress Even brief periods of stress have been shown to alter the gut microbiota. Genetics plays a role. Although much of our gut health has to do with environmental factors, some aspects of microbiome may actually be inherited. And I want you to keep in mind that one person's food is another person's poison. Not one diet or lifestyle works for everyone. So even if um, siblings, right? You may have one sibling that has a reaction to eating dairy while your other siblings may not. So you need to look at this from an individual basis. And besides what I just mentioned as things that can affect our gut, Our bodies respond to to invaders in the body, such as trigger foods, as as the enemy. 
And the body's natural response is to turn on inflammation, which creates a barrier between that invader or enemy and the body. And on a temporary basis, this is exactly what the body is meant to do. But if we keep introducing this invader and it becomes chronic, meaning that we're eating the same foods all the time and we don't realize that they are the invader in our body, then your body will, de- will respond by developing pain. 60% of people report that symptoms begin to appear after meals. Some immediate symptoms may be gas and bloating or abdominal pain and diarrhea. This all signals that the food that you consumed is having an immediate effect on you. However, you want to keep in mind that not all symptoms happen immediately. It can take up to three days for symptoms to occur. So that's why I suggest in a lot of my health coaching programs that you keep a food diary of everything that you're eating, the time you're eating it, and what, if any, effect it's having on you. So, you know, it may affect you immediately, and then you could say, oh, yes, it was the dairy that I just had. But it may take up to three days for it to affect you. So a food diary is great because you could look back. Because let's be honest, you're not going to remember every single thing you ate three days ago. But if you have that food diary, you could look back and you could say, well, I ate a lot of sugar that day or I had a lot of gluten that day. And then you start to pull out, you know, these um, these offenders or what could be suspicious foods and then when you have them again you start to see the correlation of how you're being affected but then there are other foods that are known to be inflammatory as well but they're not your usual suspects like eggs or corn or shellfish peanuts and alcohol sodas, diet sodas, juice drinks, energy drinks, and sugar-free products. They could also be affecting how you feel. So you want to take notice of that as well. You may not think that these are offenders, but they could actually be. And How can you support your health and what do you need to do about that? How do you support your gut health? You probably heard about probiotics before and they're a great way to support gut health, but prebiotics are another important dietary factor. Both probiotics and prebiotics help support gut health in very different ways. You want to add probiotics to help populate the gut with good bacteria. And you want to add prebiotics to feed that good bacteria. So improving gut health supports long-term health. Remember, if you're experiencing symptoms of frequent um, 
gastrointestinal discomfort or reactions, it's your body trying to send you a message. Once you begin removing inflammatory foods from your diet and working to support your gut health, and please keep in mind that this won't happen overnight. And it, and after eliminating these foods and giving yourself and your body a chance to heal, if you don't start to feel a difference, my suggestion is that you go see a skilled professional doctor. But more than likely, you will begin to see a difference. So here's what you need to know about probiotics. They're bacteria that's consumed through the diet or with a supplement that help to support gut health. Some really excellent food sources include kefir, tempeh, kimchi, and yoga. And the benefits of probiotics that are, are that they help with the digestion of lactose and protein. They modulate the immune system and inflammation. They protect against cancer. They help with detoxification. They help with allergies. They help reg regulate lipids, which is fats. They help to lower blood pressure. They help with oral health. They help with nutrition utilization, such as helping to break down polyphenols and flavonoids for better absorption. They balance our pH and they increase absorption of minerals. So probiotics are really very, very important to include in your diet or to supplement with them. Uh, they modulate cytokines, which are small proteins that are crucial in controlling the growth and activity of other immune system cells and blood cells. When released, they signal the immune system to do its job. Cytokines affect the growth of all blood cells and other cells that help the body's immune system and inflammation responses. So during COVID, you may have heard a lot about cytokine storms in relation to COVID-19. Basically, a cytokine storm is when an infection triggers your immune system to flood your bloodstream with inflammatory proteins called cytokines. They can kill tissue and damage your organs. So it's important for you to have reduced inflammation in your body, which a good probiotic will help you to achieve, or eating foods that are rich in probiotics. So we want to now look at prebiotics because particular fiber sources that ferment in the gut create beneficial bioactive compounds. So real, some really good food sources of prebiotics would be Jerusalem artichokes, leeks, chicory root, 
onions, quinoa, and the benefits of prebiotics help to reduce the risk of obesity or being overweight. They increase immune function. They support the production of short-chain fatty acids, which increase the absorption of calcium and help reduce oxidative stress. And we know that oxidative stress is what leads to free radical damage, which over time leads to aging. They may support a healthy BMI. So a healthy BMI range is usually 18 and a half to 24.9. The Western diet is associated with dysbiosis, which is a disruption in the gut bacterial profile when the bad bacteria outnumber the good bacteria. A combination of a probiotic and a prebiotic as part of a whole foods diet can help to achieve the right balance of gut bacteria to support health and reduce inflammation. So you want to always be keeping that in mind. Every food affects individuals differently. And there is no one-size-fit-all approach to diet and nutrition. There are many factors that affect the risk of obesity and metabolic disorders. But blood blood sugar regulation and microbiome diversity are both key. People are now beginning to recognize that many conditions, especially allergies and autoimmune diseases, may begin with the bacteria that colonizes in the gut, which is affected by the environment and the person's lifestyle. The Western diet is often cited as a main contributor to the rising prevalence of these conditions because it disrupts the balance of the healthy gut bacteria. Although gut health can play a role in both autoimmune diseases and allergies, they are two different types of reactions. So let's look at autoimmune diseases. The body recognizes itself as an invader and it attacks healthy tissues. The specific causes of autoimmune diseases is often unclear. In some cases, genetics may play a role, but environmental exposures like diet and lifestyle play a crucial role as well. Symptoms of autoimmune responses vary based on the condition but can always include pain, aching, fatigue, disruptive musculoskeletal health. So some examples, again, just to um, name a few, are celiac disease, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes. What factors play a role in reduced immune function? So, alcohol consumption, antibiotic use, which we talked about. We talked about your birth 
history, C-section versus vaginal birth, pain medications, stress levels. And let's also look at some reactions to gluten in children, delayed speech, failure to thrive, delayed growth and short stature, delayed puberty, dental enamel abnormalities, irritability and behavioral changes, concentration problems. So all of these play a role. And if you're starting to see any of these symptoms creeping up, just be aware and start paying closer attention. And as you eliminate, you may notice an improvement in your health. Now we want to look at allergies and a response to gut health. So the body has an abnormally elevated immune response towards a particular substance that is considered either harmful to people so in some way shape or form and allergies may be towards food or dust pets insects and even plants symptoms of an allergic reaction can also include skin rashes headaches sinus pressure gastrointestinal distress and in severe cases um, you can also have very severe um, allergic reactions that will cause you to have to go to the emergency room right so allergies and autoimmune diseases may manifest differently but are essentially an inappropriate reaction from the immune system and lead to inflammation. So simply put, inflammation refers to the body's reacting to something it recognizes as foreign or from an injury or, or um, it sustained inflammation. So at the end of the day, my hope for you is that by listening to this episode of my podcast, you will be more mindful of the foods that you are eating and how your body reacts to these particular foods. About 75% of the food in the Western diet is of limited or no benefit to the microbiota in the lower gut. Most of the diet is compromised of refined carbohydrates, which are absorbed in the upper part of the GI tract. And what eventually reaches the large intestine is of limited value. And it only contains a small amount of minerals and vitamins and other nutrients necessary for maintenance of the microbiota. The Western diet is associated with dysbiosis, which is the disruption in the good bacterial profile when the bad bacteria outnumber the good. A combination of probiotics and prebiotics, like I mentioned, as part of a whole foods diet can help to achieve the right balance of the 
gut bacteria and support health and reduce inflammation. So when looking at a diet, we want to look at the things that we should be eating. And that's very simply whole plant-based foods. So veggie up, fruits and legumes, nuts and seeds, whole grains, gluten-free ideally, fish, eggs, poultry, and meat. If you eat animal products, they should be USDA organic grass-fed, wild-caught, dairy and non-dairy alternatives, water, tea, red wine in moderation, and also coffee in moderation. You want to avoid sugar-laden foods, refined grain products, fatty meats and poultry. Uh, You want to avoid unsafe fish that's not wild caught. Uh, You want to avoid high sodium foods. You want to avoid crappy oils, foods with toxic ingredients such as artificial colorings and flavorings and sweeteners. Our body has a very hard time processing these foods. They cause inflammation which lead to all of the inflammation which ultimately will lead to disease. And I know that we covered a great deal in this episode, but I feel that it's so valuable to know how simply we can maintain good health through our diet, through our lifestyle. And I want to just thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. I so appreciate all of you. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe to my podcast and please feel free to share it out on social media or to at least share it to friends and family who you think may benefit from what I'm sharing with you so far. Again, I so appreciate you. Have a beautiful day. Until the next time, be well, be happy. Stay informed. Bye for now.